Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Monday, July the 12th. We begin with a look at the ever-present safety concerns when it comes to cyber shopping. We'll get some tips on how to avoid being a victim of online crime from Hisense Canada. Next, we look at the growing tension between naturalists and users of off-highway vehicles in southern Alberta. We speak with a conservation specialist from the Alberta Wilderness Association about concerns surrounding the environmental impact of ATV usage in the Castle Mountain area. There's nothing quite like enjoying a great bottle of wine at your favourite restaurant, but have you ever stopped to think about the price markup on that bottle compared to at the liquor store? We get a breakdown of the increase from a professor of economics, and the numbers are quite sobering. And finally, he used physical fitness to tackle his demons. On another edition of Motivational Monday, we meet bodybuilder-turned-author Todd Payette. We hear Todd's personal story of hitting rock bottom to finding his way onto the stage of the Mr. Universe competition. And yes, it used to be online shopping was the domain of Christmas and maybe the Black Fridays. But through the pandemic, we've upped our usage when it comes to, you know, uh, finding what we need online. Not exactly experts, perhaps, but we know we're doing or do we? We may not be hip to the dangers lurking out there. Joining us is Megan Wilkinson, the Senior Director of Sales and Marketing for High Sense Canada, and she joins us now. Good morning to you, Megan. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thank you for taking the time with us. There's no shortage of us shopping online, but there's just as many people out there working to fool us into giving us, uh, giving them our money, rather. Is that the case? There are some there are some questionable tactics being practiced out there for sure when it comes to online shopping. Absolutely. What are we seeing right now, Megan? Uh, is always new trends of how to rip us off. So, what are some of the biggest things that online shoppers need to watch out for <laughs> right now to avoid being taken advantage of? That's right. Where there's a will, there's a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the biggest things that we're seeing is online marketplaces, and uh, they have deals that may be too good to be true sometimes, whether that's a refurbished model that's being touted as a brand new model, um, a model, uh, a piece of electronics that's sold in another country that was brought into Canada that's being sold uh, that might not have a warranty available to it if there's something that happens. There's a lot of different things that um that, that you have to look out for uh, and question when you see something that might be too good to be true. So I'm wondering, you know, as far as the legitimacy of the products, you mentioned that, but how about the websites themselves to make sure we're actually on the website we're supposed to be on? Absolutely. One of the biggest things that you need to take a look for is misspellings. Sometimes there's websites that look like it's a legitimate website, but it's just spelled a little bit wrong. You want to make sure that you're looking for a .com or a .ca. You want to make sure that you're looking for something that has HTTPS. And when you know you've got that, there's an icon of a padlock on the top URL. That shows that you're on a secure website and it's not going to take your information and use it for bad things. Those are the three biggest things that you can look at when you're trying to keep yourself safe. The other thing you can do is when you're on um, a retailer's website is if you want to buy and sell or you want to buy from that retailer specific and not some third party, you can always click a button that says bought and sold by 
the retailer directly, whether that's an Amazon, a Walmart, a Best Buy, always click on that button. That way you know you're buying from that retailer specifically and not a marketplace. Should we, Megan, be looking for also, I mean, is .com and .ca the only way to go or can we move beyond that? You can. can. Uh, There's .net. There's different ones, but sometimes it's more of a matter of making sure, again, that it's that you're buying from a reputable seller. And you know what? You can ask questions on the website. You can ask, you can check the manufacturer's website and see if that product actually exists in Canada. Those are some really good cross checks that you can do. Also, look at the reviews. Make sure that when you're reading the reviews, it's, you know, the reviews are good. Um, that the, that the ratings and the reviews on the seller are, are good. Uh, a lot of people will try to warn others, uh, you know, lessons learned, don't fall like I did. Good point. Megan, when it's time to actually hand over our hard-earned dollars, I remember when, you know, online shopping was in its infancy, they, everybody was going with PayPal, for example. Now it seems like things have opened up that they'll take credit cards and even some of them will take interact like debit payments. Is there a way to safeguard us or is there a safer way uh, when it comes to these different methods to pay? Yes, absolutely. I think PayPal is still is still very viable. I think that when you want to take a look at it is make sure that you're on a secure website. Look for that that padlock. Uh, that that means that you are on a secure site. The other thing is don't use public Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Always make sure that when you're when you're bu- buying something, you're either at your home or under a under a network or a secure Wi-Fi. The other thing, too, that you want to make sure that you're looking at is um, trying to trying to make sure that the return policy is there. And, and that way, if there is any kind of problem, you're using your credit card and you'll know you'll be able to get a refund if it was a scam or the retailer will refund you. Those are always really good things to take a look at. Meg, is it mostly electronics that we need to be aware of or are we getting ripped off for other things, too? <laughs> There's a lot of different things out there. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where it could be anything from, you know, garden supplies to electronics. There's everything. And again, it's just making sure that you safeguard yourself and look at the retailer, look at the reviews, make sure that the things that are coming in are serviceable here in Canada. A lot of the times, uh, if it's if it's not sold in Canada, it's really hard for us to, to fix something if it's broken or to re- replace something because if we don't carry it, we can't do that. And it's, it's hard on us. We want to be the consumer advocate and make sure that we can help a, a customer as, as with any manufacturer. So um, those are some of the things that we're trying to, to spread the word out on there to make sure that everybody buys what they want and get what they want. Good stuff. Uh, Timely reminders. And again, as I said at the beginning, Megan, I think generally we used to think about this stuff around Christmas shopping, but we're online much more. So super timely. We appreciate it. Thank you. And I'm sorry we were cutting out there. That's that's fine. We uh, got the message across. It was fantastic info. Thanks, Megan. All right. You have a good day. You too. That's Megan Wilkinson. Bye-bye. Megan Wilkinson, Senior Director of Sales and Marketing for Hisense. And you can find them online, Hisense.com. Uh, Canada.com. There's a concern from naturalists about the use of off-highway vehicles in the environmentally sensitive Castle Mountain Wilderness in southwest Alberta. 
Devin Earl is a, a conservation specialist with the Alberta Wilderness, uh, sorry, Wilderness Association, and joins us this morning. Good morning to you, Devin. Good morning. It's the Alberta Wilderness Association. Want to get that clear? <laughs> uh, thank you for taking the time with us. I want to ask you, and we're going to go back a couple of years. Back in 2019, the UCP government decided to pause their plans to ban off highway vehicles in Castle Park and the region. Uh, what's been the impact on the local ecosystem? Yeah, so the local ecosystem has been impacted for many, many years um, with the cumulative impacts both from off-highway vehicle use as well as uh, industrial development and logging development and things like that. Um, So when the Castle Parks Management Plan came out in 2018, uh, it planned to phase out off-highway vehicles over the next three years. And uh, residents in the area as well as Albertans started using the area more for recreation and being able to enjoy it more for the natural ecosystem that it provides. Um, But now with the the phase out of off-highway vehicles paused, um, those vehicles are still still continuing to have an impact on the environment. Um, And it's particularly concerning for sensitive species uh, like the uh, provincially threatened West Slope cutthroat trout. Okay, so let's talk about that a little bit. So, Devin, if, if folks don't really quite understand, because I'm one of them, what does a like an off-highway vehicle, we're talking like a, like a quad or something, right? What kind of impact does that have on the area? What kind of damage does it actually do? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so these motorized vehicles, um, when they're, first of all, if they're driven through streams or, or creeks, they make a very obvious impact um, to fish habitat quality and things like that. But as well as the trail systems themselves uh, lead to a lot of what we call sedimentation, um, which is basically just uh, you've all seen when uh, when a motorized vehicle drives on a dirt trail, all the dust that gets kicked up. Um, So dust and dirt and uh, little rocks and bits of sand and everything like that. uh, When it's when it's kicked up by these off highway vehicles um, after it rains, all that uh, dirt goes into the, the creeks and the streams and it can actually suffocate fish and it can lead to decreased uh, reproduction. Um, And in addition to fish, uh, these trails and as well as the noise and the use by people really impacts wildlife. Mm. Um, So species like grizzly bears, wolves, wolverines, elk, and mountain goats um, are really, really impacted by this use, and they tend to start avoiding areas and their populations decline. So, Devin, I'm wondering, you know, what your group is proposing? Is a complete ban realistic? Is it restrictions? what, What is the plan ahead? Yeah, so what AWA is um, requesting is that we implement the Castle Parks Management Plan as written, which means that the use of off-highway vehicles would be phased out over the next three years. Okay, so you're getting pushback though, right? The off-highway vehicle users and the groups that, that, that want them and, and want to use them, you're getting pushback from them. So is there a compromise or, or can something be done to try and find a happy medium for both groups to, and to protect the environment most importantly? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, I think, so the use of off-highway vehicles can be compatible with land use goals and conservation goals in certain areas. Um, But as stated in the Castle Parks Management Plan, um, the castle area is particularly sensitive. And there was actually significant public consultation and significant scientific research that went into that management plan. And uh, it stated that off-highway vehicle use is not compatible um, with the ecosystem, particularly in the castle. So we are supporting a complete phase-out, and we think that off-highway vehicle use um, should be 
done in areas where uh, where there aren't significant amounts or there aren't there isn't habitat for threatened species that need to use that area, um, and where uh, where off highway vehicles won't have as much of a damaging effect. Are there, in your opinion, I'm not sure what sort of research you've done here, Devin, are there er- enough areas for these recreation of types of activities when it comes to the OHFs? OHVs, um, rather, sorry? Yeah, OHVs. Well, personally, I am not an off-highway vehicle user myself, um, but there are areas that are designated for that use. Um, and I think people who have been using this area um, for that purpose are, you know, understandably a little bit upset about this phase out. But like I mentioned before, there were, there was um, actually the highest level of public consultation went into this management plan um, of any other plan in Alberta. And the result is clear that the vast majority of Albertans would like to use this area and, and keep it or restore it to its uh, ecological potential and use it for recreation that's less impactful, like hiking and biking and um, just exploring without having an impact on the environment. So I think we really need to listen to the majority of Albertans here. Um, And off-highway vehicle users, unfortunately, might need to uh, step out of this area and use a different area. Well, we're definitely hearing from a couple of them on our text line. So uh, it'll be uh, much discussion coming, no doubt, about this before any decision is finally made. Thanks so much for joining us, Devin. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks. That's Devin Earle, who is a conservation specialist with the Alberta Wilderness Association. You can go to albertawilderness.ca for more details. So how much would you pay for a good bottle of wine at a restaurant? Well, how much would you pay for a cheap one? Chances are you're paying a lot more, a whole lot more than if you bought that liquor bo- the bottle at your local liquor store. Dr. Vikram Pathanthia is a reader in economics at the University of Sussex and has co-authored a new study dealing with the markups that are charged by restaurants for wine. And it is a really interesting discussion. So thank you so much for joining us, doctor. Appreciate your time. It's my pleasure. Let's talk about this. You know, we all know we go to a restaurant, we're going to pay a little bit more for that bottle of wine that we order at the restaurant. I mean, that's just the way it is, right? Than if we bought it ourselves at the the local liquor store down the street. So, you know, how much more is the markup though? Are are we being fooled really into thinking it's very minor in terms of, of paying a little bit extra? Well, I was thinking it would be extra, but it's not a little bit more. It's about on average, four times the price you'd pay in a retail store. But why so much? How did it get so out of hand? Was it always this way, or has that price escalated over the years? Um, I can't really answer that. Um, it is a London study, mm-hmm. so there's always the um, always the chance that markups are higher in London. It's mm-hmm. an expensive city. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also true that restaurants, um, I think, make a lot of their money on liquor sales, especially wine, and not so much off food. So maybe the margins on wine are subsidizing food and other services. It's hard to say whether um, other places have similar markups, but for us, it was an eye-popping amount. And and I'm sure whether it's different, it, it can't be that far off in, in different countries and different cities. It, we definitely know we're getting ripped a little bit for sure. But, uh, you know, your study also found something interesting in terms of which is the bottle that is kind of our go-to when we look at the menu, the one that we're choosing, thinking that we're getting the best deal. Yeah, so um, I think uh, the study was motivated by the idea that uh, a lot of folks who are on a budget 
will uh, avoid the cheapest wine because it makes them look cheap in mm-hmm. the Ayurveda or the fellow diners. And so, you know, after studying the menu for a while, they might settle on the second cheapest. But of course, the guys who run the restaurant know this. And so they might actually place a pretty awful bottle of wine on the second rank and have a stiff markup on that. So that's what you want to check. And it turns out that the markup on the second is higher than the first, the cheapest, but actually it's lower than the third or the fourth or the fifth. So it's the middle wines that are actually the most stiffly marked up. Wow. Okay, so if you know that going in, that helps. And I guess it should be a case, uh, to a certain extent, Doctor, of a buyer beware knowing the price of wine, which a lot of us don't know, but if you know the, the cost and, and price at the liquor store of your favorite bottle, that would be helpful? I think it would. I mean, if you know your wine and really like your wine, uh, go for the bottle that um, catches your eye and you know about it. If you don't, and on a budget, I would say the cheapest is probably a good bet. And of course, if you, um, if you um, are not on a budget because you can afford it or somebody else is footing the bill, then the high end is actually a good goodbye because the markups at the high end in percentage terms are low all right okay good tip so you go for the expensive one if you can afford it and you go for the cheap (laughs) one otherwise and that's going to be your best bet thank you so much for joining us with your uh, study results appreciate your time my pleasure thank you that is dr vikram pathanthia reader in economics at the university of sussex todd payett is a mountain of a man who's been driven since a very young age to be bigger faster and stronger using his muscles and his body as a suit of armor against emotional pain and his fear of death his story is fascinating and he joins us now to talk about the book he's written about his life called shoulder down good morning todd Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Great to chat with you again. Uh, You know, the book is fantastic. I haven't gone through the whole thing, but I have read much of it. And I mean, your life has been amazing from the age of five, finding your father's body after his suicide to abuse, to homelessness, incarceration, and then making it onto the Mr. Universe stage. So could you believe in writing your book as you're looking back that that was your life? That is your life. You know, when when I was going over the book with the publisher and sort of rereading it. And, and, uh, you know, there were times when I was going through it and going, yeah, that happened. Wow. (laughs) It it definitely was a different life. That's for sure. You know, uh, Todd, you have to uh, explain the title of your book. It's called shoulder down. Um, and there's a lesson in that to, to even begin with before you open the book, right? That's correct. Uh, the the title came from actually uh, a teacher and a coach that I had in junior high, and we were doing these drills for basketball, these one-on-one drills. And, you know, the, I was playing against a kid that was a little older and a little bigger, and he kept forcing me away from the basket, and I couldn't get off a proper shot. And my coach, Sid Krasinski, he said, Todd, what are you doing? I said, well, coach, I can't get past him. And it was, a uh, coach came over and he said, uh, what you have to do is you have to put your shoulder down and you have to move through the obstacle. And he taught me how to do that, but those words just resonated with me and it became something that I would hear uh, in my head whenever I was faced with a tough challenge, that you just have to put your shoulder down, no matter what's in front of you, and just take that space and move forward no matter what. 
And you've done that and you've pushed through so many difficult things in your life. So, okay, that's a big lesson. You've learned other things I have no doubt about that you've created, you know, as you move through your world. So tell us when you look back at your life's journey, what are some of the other lessons that, that you've learned that you can pass on to our listeners to, to help them maybe as this is Motivational Monday, uh, you know, get them through this week and beyond? You know, there's a few things uh the first thing that I learned that really was a life changer for me was to be accountable. Now, there's going to be horrible things that happen to everybody. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be obstacles. And there's nothing we can do about that. But how we react to situations or how we react to mistakes, uh, that is something that, that we have control over. So you have to be accountable and, and own what, you know, what your decisions have brought you and once you do that that's the first step uh, the next thing that i that i always think of and, and it amazed me was the power of words and thoughts you know uh i think we're all guilty of saying oh this is terrible or that's horrible or you know but if you speak with positivity and good intention you know uh i heard the saying years ago about speaking things into existence there's truth to that so if i was to do say a big bench press and i look at the bar and i say oh i sure hope i can lift it i don't know that's heavy versus you know no matter what i'm going to lift it you know take that arnold approach i'm going to lift you i don't care how much you weigh it's going to happen now you know you just do it right you just have to be positive in your thoughts and your words and the other thing is, you know, be tenacious. Do not give up. Like, you know, victory, sometimes they take a while. Like getting the book published, that was, uh, you know, almost five years from the time that I wrote it or the first draft to the the, uh, the day that it would actually be published and come out. But if I would have just said, well, you know, the first publisher said no and I gave up, well, then nothing would have happened. You have to really be tenacious and keep trying and move forward and again, shoulder down and, and go through those obstacles. It's interesting, Todd, because a lot of us, uh, you know, don't look like you. We have not done uh, <laughs> with our bodies like you have done, but after a good workout, we feel better. And it's not just about the body, not just about the cardiovascular system, but about the, the mind. We have clarity and it might bring us, you know, s some peace. Uh, you have really understood and mastered that mind body connection. And so how important is it for people to be physically active when it comes to, to, to not just motivation, but just overall health? It's so important. No matter what I've gone through in my life, there is one constant, and that constant was that I always felt better after training because of the endorphins that are released and the clarity it gives you. The tough bit is sometimes getting there. Or, you know, and it doesn't have to be training with weights. It can be getting up and going for a walk or if you like to jog or whatever it is physically that you enjoy. You know, if, if you don't do that, you're really kind of handicapping yourself in many ways. So it's, it's absolutely key. Like, you know, bodybuilding or most athletics, Yes, it's physical, but truthfully, it's more of a mental thing. And if you can master that, even for a short time, it becomes habit. And uh, it's just going to benefit your life in so many other ways. Todd, how old were you when you were started? You decided you were going to train and then you got to the Mr. Universe stage. How old? <laughs> it was a journey. I'll tell you, I started lifting weights when I was 18 years old. I was a skinny little kid. And, uh, 
you know, but talking about speaking things into, uh, you know, making them happen at 18 years old, I would tell anybody that, listen, one day I'm going to do the, you know, the Mr. Universe. And I was, you know, 150 pounds at six foot tall, soaking wet. <laughs> and people were looking at me like I'm crazy. Uh, you know, but by the time I got into, uh, you know, I went through a lot in life, but, you know, I never let go of that dream. And I was, uh, I think I was 49 the first time I stepped onto the Mr. Universe stage. That's impressive. Wow. And my you've next got question, to see Todd's yeah. body, Andy. I wow. look at the cover of the book. My, my next question was, what about those people who aren't 18 who say it's too late for me? It, you know, it really isn't. Studies have shown that you can add muscle to your physique, even going into your 80s. Uh, you know, and there, there have been several, like I actually didn't start competing, uh, until I was 35 years old, which for, um, you know, a lot of sports, you're, you're done, you're a senior citizen in your thirties, but, uh, training is different. The human body is meant to respond to exercise. So you could be 30, 40, 50, 60, and you can affect change just by getting moving and, and maybe adjusting your food a little bit. And it can be simple adjustments, you know, reducing your sugar, uh, you know, avoiding the the obvious junk food or maybe cutting it down to once or twice a week. Well, you're incredibly inspirational. You're perfect for our Motivational Monday, and we thank you for joining us. The book is called Shoulder Down. Todd Payette, thank you so much for being with us. Really appreciate your time. Always love speaking to you both. That is Todd Payette. And again, Shoulder Down, you can find the book online. You can just Perfect. Google the title, Shoulder Down. You'll find all the great places where you can buy it. He's just a, a really wonderful man. He likes to get up early with us. Yeah, he does. Him. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.